waiting for the moment to change your lane I came home from the wasteland Heroic and triumphant like a comic book girl Created out of nothing like a comic book girl Hey! Hi guys, what's up? Oh my gosh, my name's Eriso Rin. I'm so happy to meet both of you. I use she, her pronouns. Who are y'all? Hey, I'm Brad. I use they, them. Um, I'm Cassandra. I use she, her pronouns. Cool. It's so nice to meet both of you. Wow. How lucky we are to, you know, all be joined today in this virtual space uh, with the ability to study something so valuable to all of us. Yeah. How's y'all's quarantine doing? How are you? How are you feeling? Um... I'm trying to decide which of like six new hobbies I should take on, so that's that. Uh, what about you? I'm pretty sick, you know. Oh. Got the the dripping, the dripping. That's the name of of this disease. Wow, the dripping is it's it's claimed so many of us. How horrible. Yeah, um, but I'm doing I'm doing fine, getting through. My homework, because I don't have anything better to do. Kind of same, yeah. I'm it's I'm strangely optimistic about this whole situation. Makes one of us. But yeah, so uh, why did all of you guys take this um, analyzing primary sources class? Well, I took it because I am just I'm really interested in the old Earth like history there's so much like it just i don't know it helps everything make so much sense don't you think mm -hmm. um yeah i mean i definitely studied the anamorphs a lot when i was younger um i did a whole like history report on them in high school and stuff but um it's definitely been a while since i last read the anamorphs journals and um I mean, I'm also just in this class because I have to fulfill my history gen ed requirement somehow. So um, I thought this would be cool because uh, I always thought the Animorphs were really interesting. Um, I really like, you know, really delving into a lot of the like theories surrounding, uh, you know, their especially their early days. Yeah, I totally think so, too. There's they're definitely like part of a really big picture about old Earth that's like so interesting and they're like focal point for so much that happened yeah i mean i was rereading the um first journal uh for our assignment for our discussion today um hey, and it's just oh hey yeah we were just talking about why we're taking the class um i was just saying it's really wild reading that um and seeing like how much technology and society have changed in the last hundred years it's fun to watch them explore every single new thing that happens to them. Like they have never even, they've never thought of it before. And it just, it's a totally different, different perspective that I never would have, you know, I never would have considered if I hadn't read a personal account. Yeah. It's really interesting seeing like um, what it's like for them for the first time to meet all these species that we're so used to now. Is easier to read uh, than like, your normal like boring textbook because like they're just kids just writing writing their journals um i really like that 
so yeah so the the uh the andorian right so they meet what they meet the andorian at the beginning Should andorian just, like, through what happened <laughs> <laughs> um i think our friend brad means the andalite Oh, yeah, no, Brad, that's, um, I think Andorians are from, like, Star Wars or something. That's an Andalite. Well, you might be confusing the name Aloran with Andalite, because Aloran Cemetery Koras shows up in one of those scenes. Aloran? Wait, I thought that was Elfangor or whatever. I thought his name was Elfangor. Well, there's Elfangor and Aloran. Elfangor. (laughs) I wrote that one down. Aloran is the name of the host body of the. Oh, um, right, right, right. Yeah, okay. My of bad. The infamous Visser 1 and Visser 3. Visser 3, yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, yes. <laughs> Repeat after me. And the lights. It's like you're, you have to remember to turn something on. You have to turn on the stove. Oh, what else do we need in order to see? And the light. <laughs> and the light. Ah, got it, got it. Um, no problem. A yeah. lot of people haven't even met Andalites before. They're not super common. I used to live in um, the capital of my old state, so I saw them around a bunch doing like government stuff. Oh, that makes sense. They yeah. seem great at that. Yeah, they definitely like doing government stuff. <laughs> I will say that. Yeah. So, uh, how about we like get into the text? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What did we want to talk about? The professor left it pretty open-ended. Um, you know, just whatever you want to analyze about the readings. Let me see. Um, yeah, so just to summarize what happens, they got the the five anamorphs, uh, Rachel, Cassie, Marco, Tobias, and Jake. Tobias is such a cinnamon roll. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, is that like saying Alexander Hamilton is a cinnamon roll? That's such a sweet boy. Such a sweet little cuddly boy. I mean, we and any, anybody can jump in. I've just got my notes in front of me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the. The Animorphs, back when they're kids, they meet uh, Prince Elfangor, Serenial, Sham Tool. Um, and he tells them all the stuff that we we all know about the Yeats or Yerks and <laughs> and the and he gives them powers. Um and Jake is uh the first uh chronicle is being written by Jake and he seems really bummed out about how his life has been going. Yeah. Um, He is experiencing a lot of the problems associated with adolescent 21st century malehood. Yeah. Yeah. Which (laughs) I can't relate to. I mean, to be fair, he is an adolescent male in, you know, the 1990s or whatever, but... Oh, yes, yeah, the 20th century. Not the 20th yeah, century. it's the 20th century. I'm pretty sure this all happened in, like, the 90s. 
um, went to an arcade, which my research tells me, yes, the 1990s. Yeah. An arcade. Um, Archaic, one might say. You think about the 1990s, you think about, like, butterfly clips, grunge, aliens almost taking over Earth and destroying our society as we know it. You know, the 1990s. And crop tops, you got it. So they get chased by the um, the taxons in Visser 3, um, and they're in delight guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he gets eaten. Um, yeah. That was gross. It, yeah. was, it was horrifying. Yep, that, that was... <laughs> History is ter- terrifying. Yeah. Um, and then Tobias and Jake learn how to morph. Um, and they get really explicit about how uh, that feels. Um, that's definitely <laughs> not something that I thought too hard about before. You know, the, like the illustrations they put on the covers of these when they print them? Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, I always thought that was kind of thought that was kind of abstract. Oh, in, in my in my studies as someone who's fascinated with history, even I have tried to sort of gloss over um, <laughs> how intense these are, and um, they're they can. It feels like they're almost embarrassing sometimes when talking to them about uh, about them to other historians. It kind of feels like an embarrassing bodily function sometimes. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but like I've never seen anyone morph um, in front of me. So all I really know is like the descriptions like this, and it sounds pretty unpleasant. I had an Andalite professor at one point, and he um, morphed in front of me, and it felt unreal. <laughs> You just, like, dissociate from reality. A little bit. Yeah, understandable. So the real horrifying thing is that they learn that the controllers are everywhere. Um, I didn't know that uh, Jake's brother had a controller in him. That's, that's really, that's really sad. Um, Yeah, I think that is a really significant um you know motivator for for a lot of a lot of his story the fact that someone so close to him he he knew the whole time was able to see things differently it's hard being you know basically a child and then having like your brother your brother taken from you like that and like he's not himself i yeah i think about it a lot i definitely feel like it's um something that a lot of the official accounts kind of gloss over, especially when they're aimed at younger children. And so I didn't know until I was probably around Jake's age, actually, um, because I think the kids are like 13 um, when this started happening. And um, I finally, you know, I like read uh, a grown-up version of the history, and I was like, no one, I didn't know. especially with like you know all the stuff that happened later um knowing that tom was also was controlled by a year really recontextualizes a lot of jake's decisions a lot of his more like questionable decisions as well 
I would say so. I mean, what would make you take up the mantle of um, leading like a a revolution, basically, than having something so personal happen to you? It has to be that that kind of personal experience in order to be, you know, in order to have the right motivators all the time. Yeah, and is it is it in the first journal where Jake explicitly talks about that being his motivator? Um, or is that later on? But I feel like he does. I don't remember. Brad, um, what did you, did you, do you remember anything? Um, I read ahead, sorry guys. He, you said he talked about it being his motivator? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, that's why they they run down into the, the Yerk pool with basically no plan they really had no idea what they were doing and they saved one person um, but you know compared to some efforts saving one person is one of their victories it's certainly a a victory just wow after after all of all of that i know they just they didn't even save tom Wow. Yeah. We are now with all of this quarantine going on for the dripping. We are like in this completely new um, sort of thing in history that we haven't ever really experienced on this level before. And um, no, I think that's a good point. How do you feel about that, Brad? Yeah. I mean, the quarantine's just really surreal. Like nothing we've seen in our lifetime and i guess that's what it was like in the 90s with the invasion is is nobody'd ever experienced anything like that before don't even know how to contextualize it the amount of responsibility you feel like you have to have nowadays or back then you know it's i think it's a helpful like allegory for today to remember that people had to like they had to feel like they had to do something about it and then sometimes they did the conversations between jake and marco really stood out to me just like how marco does not want to take responsibility for this thing um and like just wants to ignore it but tobias is really strong on just like this is our responsibility we can't ignore it and like they're the only ones who had any power to do anything with the the quarantine um now like we all have power to wash our hands and stay inside not get other people sick like take care of other people and some people are ignoring it um and not taking it seriously um but i think mostly people are doing what we need to do and that sort of makes me feel hopeful even as Everything is a lot. <laughs> Everything is a lot, but I don't think it's a lost cause. I, I think that there's a lot of hope in this situation. And I, I think some of the conversations that take place in this first journal really help inspire that sense of hope I have for what's happening today. Because it can be a lot, but also remember that these people had to deal with, like, you know, what to them were literal monsters <laughs> coming into their suburban neighborhood 
Yeah, and I was I was looking back through the readings because I was trying to remember correctly because, like I said, I kind of read ahead, so I'm getting some stuff mixed up between journals. But um, reading this first journal, you know, Jake talks a lot about how it fe feels like a, a dream for a lot of the Animorphs, especially I think Marco calls him on the phone later, which is, it's so funny to me, like the only way they have to stay in contact is calling each other on the home phone. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, Marco calls him and is like, oh man this feels like a dream are you sure it's not a dream and when tobias morphs in front of jake jake is like it this is almost feels like a dream and i feel like that's the way i've been feeling about this this quarantine everything has moved so quickly and everything has changed so much that it feels almost to me like one of those um sort of disjointed dreams you have where it's like when you're dreaming at all of the the sort of logical jumps between the weird disjointed scenes make total sense to you but then you also at the same time are like wait how did i get from swimming in a lap pool of lava to like turning into a werewolf that doesn't make any sense at all those are real dreams of mine by the way that i are actually it was the same dream yeah absolutely what a what a <laughs> what a great way of describing it because i think when you're put into the fight or flight mode, there's like a different part of your brain that activates. And, you know, it's like more primal and more, it just, it's based on action. And so your like body does stuff and like you're sort of thinking, but like you don't really remember all the like connecting points. And then you come down from that like emotional state. And then where are you? Like, oh my gosh, what? And you have a sort of different level of like consciousness engaged that is trying to <laughs> rationalize everything with your day-to-day -day life. Also, side note, I totally wish I could turn into a dog. Well, morphing capabilities are out there. But it's just, it's, it's so heavily regulated that, like, you know, unless you really, really can prove that you need it, you never will. But I'm like, oh, I just really want to turn into a dog. The way Jake describes it, it sounds like the perfect natural antidepressant to just turn into a dog for like an hour and then you feel so much better about the world. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. Just like, oh, that's a golden retriever. They don't specify what kind of dog Homer is, but I'm just mm. like, that's a golden retriever. Oh, Homer is definitely a golden retriever. <laughs> I highlighted in the book, uh, but there's a dog in my yard <laughs> have you guys okay i know this is an incredibly deep cut old meme from like 80 years ago or something but have you seen that comic of the the dog looking in a mirror and going like and where did that other dog come from who is he i haven't seen that but that sounds great <laughs> oh, well i'll i can like send it to you guys or something but that was i was thinking of that i mean it I'll be, i don't blame you for not having seen it it's really old i get like really into historical memes sometimes um but it's from like i think like the 2010s or something and um it's just really funny to me um and i was thinking of it and i actually had like a hard time taking the whole part that jake talks about morphing homer seriously because i was just thinking of this drawing of a dog staring in the mirror and going and where did that other dog come from <laughs> who is he <laughs> oh my god that's so funny talk about historical accounts memes and memetics in general especially during that time are such an interesting you know, day-to-day -day interpretation of current events. And imagine if the Animorphs had existed like 10 years later and they had memes.
mean, I know they had memes in the in the nineteen nineties, but meme culture really took off like a few years later. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a funny comic. Oh my goodness, you just to us that. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that would probably happen. I, I, you know, we were talking a little bit about like the psychology of it. There's a lot of detail actually. And with, with the variety of uh, different forms that the Animorphs morph into, um, there's a lot of detail into the differences of various animals' um, brains. Uh, like they have to sort of contend with the instincts of like a bird or a cat or a lizard. Or- and that's actually, like I said, I read ahead. So we haven't gotten there yet in the readings for class, but when we get... Um, a few more journals on. There's actually some really interesting stuff there about where, like, I don't know, it's really weird. I'm a little suspicious sometimes about some of the authorship of the journals or, like, how accurate they are because when you get a few books on, they morph into a form where the um, description of the animal behavior is, like, not scientifically accurate. And it really makes me wonder if they had, like, a ghost writer who wrote these for them or, like... um, if maybe they left out parts and someone else filled them in later because it just doesn't make sense that someone who had actually morphed that animal would think those things. Yeah, absolutely. Or it also could speak to the fluidity of the experiences that one can have from one specific dog to a different specific dog because you take the DNA of an animal when you morph. There are a lot of questions about how that works. It's true. But yeah, you take a, like a specimen as opposed to like sort of a sampling of the entire uh, species that you're morphing. So morphing one dog, even in the same uh, species, might be different from morphing a different one. So what happens next, Brad? I don't, I don't remember a lot of the reading. Do you not read it for class? Um, I have, I read it. <laughs> okay. So they have they, the they go down to the pool. Yeah. Um and then the very the very last thing is uh Tobias, so as we all know, uh was in the hawk form and he stayed as the hawk more than two hours and he comes back to Jake's and he's just a hawk. Yeah, that was just heartbreaking. I knew that that happened. I didn't know it happened in the first like two days right yeah yeah that really he's just a hawk yeah that really happens like right away for them and i mean there are like later journals that tobias wrote or possibly dictated to someone else um where he talks more about his feelings about that but it's really interesting how he has a lot of really mixed feelings about that which we can talk about more later um I feel like there's a lot of really interesting analysis there about like gender and Tobias's feelings about being stuck as a hawk. Yeah, yeah. Something I highlighted uh, before he gets stuck as a hawk um, when Cassie's like uh, uh, telling him, "Hey, be careful." To- Tobias says, or he, or he's as a hawk, so he says in his head. I hate changing back. It's like going back into a prison or something. I hate it when I don't have wings. And I'm just like, that's a big trans mood. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's definitely a, a school of thought that um, I have seen a lot of historians talk about this. And I've seen them like cite some sources that potentially 
uh, are pretty suggestive that Tobias actually meant to get stuck. That's a really interesting interpretation. Or, or maybe didn't, I mean, because he talks later in the journals, and it's not like he he consciously meant to get stuck, but that he was kind of like, subconsciously like, oh, might as well. His home life was really difficult, as he describes it. So imagine, imagine just getting the magical ability to fly all of a sudden. You know, if you want to, you know, take a second to analyze historical accounts like their fiction, I could really see it being, I don't know, very like... A metaphor, I guess. That's not the word I was looking for. I just, someone outside my apartment is being really loud right now, so I got distracted. I don't know who's outdoors. We're under a quarantine, but someone's, like, blasting music out of their car outside. They finally have the opportunity to <laughs> just go wild in the streets. No one uses fax machines, but call, you'll hear the noise. Statues left by ancient Greeks, the perfect cheeks of goddesses and question could an animorph turn into like a galapagos turtle or some kind of animal that just like lives a really really long time and then just live a really long time like if they got stuck um people like to theorize about it i think there actually is someone out there who gained morphing abilities specifically to heal a really nasty injury who is actually decided to try it out of a like weird sense of experimentation so right now there is out there like i don't think they chose a galapagos turtle i think they chose some other long-lived animal but there is out i think it's like I don't even remember what it is. Uh, I saw this at like 2 a.m. on Reddit. But there is someone out there who like went full Nothlet as um, some long-lived animal and just like mind speaks to people now and is trying it out to see what happens. That's so weird. I always had a favorite character, or not character, but like sort of historical figure in in the books. Um, I think I think my favorite was always Aximili. Did but um, he doesn't show up yet. Did you have a favorite? No, no, he's in the fourth journal. Oh, he's yes, he's in the fourth journal. Yeah, Brad. Who's Brad? Who's your favorite so um, far? So far, I think Rachel's my favorite. Yeah. I think Rachel is. If we're talking about like who wrote these and their points of view, I think Rachel's the leader. I don't think Jake is the leader. Like. That's an that's an interesting yeah I mean it's so early in the um in the books it's really like a toss up as to like who's gonna do what and like what everyone's yeah. sort of role is. I think I mean speaking as someone who has read more of the journals and who also was a huge animorphs nerd as a kid, um, I will say that different character not characters sorry, um, different um animorphs sort of led different aspects of their like gorilla war haha <laughs> gorilla war because then also marco morphs a gorilla yeah very nice um, you get a gold star <laughs> thank you thank you um but so i think that rachel is not necessarily the leader, but she is often the person who just sort of jumps into a conflict and everyone's like, oh, crap, now we have to go as well. Um, and then, like, 
Marco is kind of the the strategy and plan guy a lot of the time. It's really interesting knowing what I know because I've studied so much about the Animorphs. It's really interesting seeing how much of who they are as people is apparent early on. I think I especially started noticing it in the second book, um, the second journal with Rachel, um, which we'll get to whenever we do that reading and we reconvene. Um, I don't know right. if any of the other students are going to show up because I know we're all supposed to participate in at least like a few discussions. Um, yeah, and everyone's lives are a little crazy right now. So as long as people show up sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. My favorite character, I think, at least in the in the first account, is um, Tobias as well. I think he just has like a really compelling narrative that we were talking about earlier. Um that but you know i think it's interesting because what like the kind of person that you are in wartime sometimes is really indicative of who you are um in general and sometimes like some people go into like wartime mode and then sort of don't ever like recover or they do recover and there's someone very different yeah, and I think most of the Animorphs, especially because, like I said earlier, this started when they were all around 13. I think most of them really struggled to recover once the war was, like, resolved. Mm-hmm. So uh, that sounds like everything for the first journal. Should we move on to the next one? Or, uh, Brad, you haven't read it, uh, so we can reconvene? Yeah, or like... yeah. Next, uh, next class discussion, we'll talk. We can talk about the second one. Uh, what's the sort of uh, the title? It's the the visitor. Um, let me see. So, yeah. I have all of the. I have the class website open. Yeah, it's the visitor. It's um. I think it's narrated by Rachel. I think Rachel wrote this one. I mean, if we are going with the assumption that the Animorphs did actually write these, which I mean, these do kind of read like they were written by thirteen year olds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or. They look like they're written by, they sound like they're written by 13 year olds or what a 40 year old thinks 13 year olds sound like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, there are some things that I do think were likely edited and altered by later authors just because some of them really don't ring true to me. Um, and it's also, of course, because especially up until like the last journal, they were changing so much stuff to be to try and keep themselves from being easily identifiable. Although I know some people like as a project, just for fun, tried to see if you could figure out where the Animorphs were during the course of most of their journals just by like um, analyzing what's in the journals. And you kind of can um, like you can tell approximately what area of California they're in. Um, but uh so there is also, since they changed stuff or maybe had someone else help them out with changing stuff, there is um, a lot of stuff that could just be, you know, less a product of, like, someone trying to sound like a 13-year-old or less a product of someone, uh, I don't know, you know, making stuff up and more just someone covering their tracks. Like, uh, in the second journal, uh, I think it's the second or the third um there's a cat, like someone's pet, that's called Fluffer McKitty. And I'm like, that was definitely <laughs> someone having fun. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely someone having fun and like replacing the cat's real name. Yeah, I can't um, even, I can't imagine even in 19 that anyone would name a cat something so ridiculous. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's um, Melissa Chapman's cat, which, again, her name probably wasn't actually Melissa Chapman. I'm sure someone has figured out who all of these character, no, characters actually were. Um, I probably some of them at some point, like who their, what their real identities were, but totally right. forgot by now. Yeah, it's funny, because like, um, later uh, in the journals... Um, actually, I was looking up like sort of a listing, and it's not as late in the journals as I thought. I thought it was like towards the end, but I think it's actually kind of early on, maybe. Um, or maybe I'm getting two different journals confused, but they actually go to my hometown <laughs> during the journals. Oh, how cool! Wow. Yeah, because they're in California, and they go to like save the governor of California, which means they're in the capital, which is Sacramento. Fascinating. Yeah, there must be a lot of, I've never been to um, the Capitol before, but there must be a lot of, like, plaques and, like, God. memorabilia. I mean, okay, A, when it comes to Sacramento, California, you are not missing anything by not going. <laughs> um, Sacramento, California is one of the more, most boring places on Earth. Um I and, think everyone says that about their hometown. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. The The problem is that, like, what Sacramento, California is currently known for is uh, primarily police brutality. Um, so that's bad. That is and bad. And it sucks. Um, but yeah, no, there are plaques everywhere. I've heard it's even worse, like, the further south you get and the closer to um, where they were from you get. Uh, my mother is from L.A., which is, like, a little bit south of where the Animorphs were. And so she said that whenever her family, like, you know, went on a, a field trip north, it was just, you know, the Animorphs ordered animal-style burgers at this In-N-Out <laughs> on, you know, July 19th, 1995, or whatever. Everywhere. So Every, like, parking lots, random trees, you know. Tobias landed in this tree in right. the early 2000s fascinating <laughs> it's a lot and then there are also like memorials to so many uh victims of the Yerk war um around as well so it's also really mixed because you'll be like um you know here's a plaque that jake got ice cream here and then you know two doors down the street this is where someone who the animorphs killed used to work Oh boy. Yeah. That's intense. My goodness. Yeah. Um, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that seems like good enough to to send off to Professor. Um yeah. How y'all <laughs> how y'all feeling? Yeah, I feel good. Uh, pretty I'm... good. Does anyone have any last thoughts or anything they really wanted to talk about, like, analysis-wise? I think the first book is definitely, um, like, a pretty straightforward jumping-on point into the historical narrative. and um, Which definitely yeah. makes me wonder if it was, like, edited and condensed or anything like that. Right, probably. I'm sure there's some stuff that's left out. So I think we did a lot of good theorizing this time, and um, we referred a lot to like actual historical accounts, so that seems well researched enough for me. Yeah, great. Well, uh, stay safe, everyone. Uh, wash your hands. Just social distancing. Yeah.
Um, I know, not like that person in the street. <laughs> yeah, not well. To be fair, whoever it was in the street who was blasting music, I think was in their car. So as long as no one else was in the car with them, I guess that was responsible social distancing. It was also mm-hmm. just kind of obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I'll I'll talk to y'all soon. Okay. okay great. Sounds yeah, good. Yeah, it's Sounds like good. it's like uh, two days from now. I think is when we're supposed to turn the next one in. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so nice. we can reconvene. Um, I can like message you guys, and we can figure out what time works to reconvene. Um, which one of us is gonna send the file into the professor? Oh, I can do it. Okay. Cool. Thanks to Noelle Micarelli for the use of their songs Comic Book Girl off the EP Field Notes from Another Place and Complicated Spoon. You can find more of Noelle's music at noellemicarelli.bandcamp.com. The Morph Report is hosted by Marina Malucci, Hamlet Cooper, and Bly. You can follow us on Twitter at Morph Report. If you have a question for the Potomorphs, tweet at us or send us an email and we'll answer it on the show. Our email is themorphreport at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Stopping Armageddon like a comic book girl. Dead on page 11 like a comic book girl. Hey! 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 All right. Should we have a should we have a sign off? Oh, a sign-off, yes. Okay, wait, so... You have to have, like, a cool title. Like, all the animals yeah, have Yeah, we still have a title. Oh, yeah, for the show, too. Yeah. <laughs> we need an actual title for the actual podcast. I was, like, lying in bed the other night trying to think of a really good pun for the title, and I was coming up completely blank.